Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're having a great week. Listen, today's episode is brought to us by our good friends at Portable Church Industries. Uh, These guys, uh, you need to reach out to them today. Uh, If you are a portable church, if you're trying to reopen portable campuses, if you are thinking about launching new campuses, if you're a church planner looking at going portable PCI, they are the people that you need to talk to. They not only have the expertise to do portability well, uh, they do everything from system design all the way up through delivery and training and ongoing support. Uh, Portable Church Industries. They are everything portability for local church. Today's sponsor is one that I'm super familiar with. I love Portable Church. They're incredible people. They've helped uh, in my own campus expansion, uh, and I've seen them help literally thousands of other churches. Launching portably allows you to launch fast at a low cost. We need that now in our churches. The team at Portable Church makes it sustainable and fun. Go to our our partner page at portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary to learn more, to find resources tailored specifically to you. That's Portable Church Industries. Jump in. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in. You know, every Thursday we bring you either church leaders or other experts to help you as a church leader. And today is no exception. I'm super excited to have Jim Shepard with us. He uh, is uh, works for an organization called Generis, who has helped literally thousands of other uh, churches like yours and has a really unique vantage point on the kingdom. So, so glad to have you here today, Jim. Hey, Rich. Thanks. It's an honor to be here with you today. Why don't we start by kind of telling us about Generis? Tell us about your role, uh, that sort of thing. Give us a sense of, of, of what you're doing for folks that don't have never heard of Generis before. Yeah, Generis. We've been around for a little over 30 years now, celebrated our 30th birthday last year. Um, if I just had to shorten up all of our marketing language and all the other things that we do, we're in the business of helping churches and ministry organizations with giving development. That's really kind of our specialty. We've got some side kind of practices that we run, but everything feeds towards our giving development practice. That's the number one thing that we do. We've been known for our giving campaigns over the years, over the last four or five years. We've done even more just, you know, kind of ongoing coaching, helping churches to develop what we call this ongoing culture of generosity that feeds long-term giving as opposed to just feeding short-term episodic giving. So whether it's shorter-term episodic, whether it's longer-term development, we feel like we've got solutions for you. got a pretty good team, veterans. Uh, some of them are, 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 are veterans of church staff. Uh, some of them, like myself, are very involved as a lay person, so we've got a pretty good team there. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a great ride. I came into this out of the uh, corporate world in 1992, finance guy by training and background. I'm sure that will come out pretty uh, fluently in our conversations here today. <laughs> but I uh, really didn't know that this was what God had me uh, on, a, on a pathway to do. And I started here at uh, what was uh, the company that would become Generis in September of 1992. Been here ever since. Became the primary owner in uh, in nineteen in nineteen ninety six. It's been a great ride, man. It's fun watching from my perspective what goes on in church world, and uh, even in the last few months, as it's been really challenging. It's a very unique perch. 
Well, Jim, I, I really appreciate what you've done for so many churches. It seems like over the years, you know, I've worked with a lot of churches, done a lot of coaching, consulting on the multi-site side. And oftentimes, uh, while I'm in there talking with them, they're also working with, uh, you know, a coach from Generis and, you know, that you guys have just helped so many churches and really helped them um, in a lot of areas. But like you say, particularly on this whole area of generosity and how do we increase giving. And so uh, a real um, servant to the church. And so, so thankful that you're with us here today. So one of the things I'm excited to kind of dig in on is obviously in this season, I, I don't like saying post COVID because I don't think that we're posted. I think we're kind of intra COVID as it's impacting us in this season. I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah. We, we're, um, you know, our, a lot of churches are, well, maybe we just start with what are you seeing as you're talking to churches or as you're engaging with such a, a, a kind of a broad, you know, spectrum of churches, how has this season impacted churches across the country? Well, it's been interesting, Rich, because I think the first couple of weeks, you know, as we uh, moved into this, you know, the week of March 10, 11, and 12, right, as we were leading up to that weekend of March 15th, which is the first weekend that most churches went remote instead of gathering in person. I really am, I'm not even aware of a church that met in person on that Sunday. There might be a few outliers, um, even to the point that some of them would have said as late as Friday or Saturday they were going to meet on Sunday, and then they canceled that, and they went right. online on Sunday. Because <laughs> yes. it just yep. it became very real. You know, when, 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 when you realize how, how bad it is, and you don't want to be known as the church that started an outbreak, you, just, you have to shut everything down. I think that first week to 10 days was very difficult because um, unlike 2008 and 2009, which is the last time we had something to hit us, that kind of came on, you know, let's use the, uh, the, the analogy of your stove. That came on kind of like one degree at a time. You know, mm-hmm. it was a meltdown that happened one degree at a time. And this one, somebody turned the temperature up to 212 all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it's so true. Right. It's almost like you were out in the ocean and you were sailing and you thought that everything was cool. You didn't see any storms on the horizon. Storm came up and you actually thought it might be a Category 3 and then you figured out it was a Category 13. Right. And what it did was it threw churches into this, what the heck do I do now mode. Um, For many of them, let's just take from a giving perspective, for many of them, Mm -hmm. that first weekend was terrible financially, just terrible. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the leading reason, Rich, is they just didn't pay any attention to the offering moment or the giving moment, whatever that is. And they assumed people would get it. Um, And, you know, we actually all of a sudden, you know, I talked to two or three or four churches. And then, you know, I talked to my team and they were talking to churches. And I'm like, wait a second, we're going to do a video and show people how to do this next Sunday. Yes. Yes. And um, and they did that. You know, number rule number one, you've got to be specific. Rule number two, Mm -hmm. don't assume that everybody who's not giving electronically will absolutely move over and give electronically. If your office is shut down and people give through the plate. And by the way, many of them are boomers like myself and boomers tend to be pretty good givers. Mm-hmm. Um, who give by check. Uh, if your office mm-hmm. is closed down and you're not receiving an offering on Sunday morning, you know, they're sitting at home thinking, well, how do I give? It's no wonder they right. didn't give the first couple of weeks, yes. right? So yes. one particular friend of mine, he um, he runs about forty to 45000 actually about forty five to 46000 a week. He texted me on Tuesday morning. He ran $9,000 in, in his offering that first weekend, Rich. Wow. And so you're he's right, like, right. three more three more weeks and I'm broke. And so we went and we looked at his at his service, and it was fairly easy for me to look at it. And he's a friend, and he's I've got enough relational capital, I could say it kind of you know candidly. I was like, bro, I love you, but I wouldn't have given in that moment. That wasn't that good. 
And so we talked about it and reframed it every weekend since then. That next weekend, he was 52,000. And every week right. since then, he's been above 45,000. Okay. So I think I use that as an example because I think that's very typical of a lot of churches. They saw an immediate mm-hmm. downturn and they did the smack in the forehead, you know, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? But mm-hmm. since then, giving has stabilized. And I'm telling you, lots of churches are telling me and telling our team that their April and May was not just better than it was last year, but some of are saying a lot better, a lot better. And so um, what it's leading to, and this is where I love your description of intra-COVID, mm-hmm. my concern right now is that people might be getting a little bit too comfortable with the giving rhythms that they're seeing. Right. Because I don't right. think this has played out yet, uh, Rich. I don't think it's played out yet. And yeah. so as good as it's been, and and, and you know... <laughs> I'm the irrepressible optimist, man. This is sort of the thing I don't want to have to say out loud because everything in me says, Jim, don't say that. Right. But I'm a realist, too. And I was CFO of a public company, and I know how real it can get when the finances are not right. And I just want churches to stop and say, COVID's not a, by the way, especially as what you and I are seeing break out as you and I are recording this today, some of the the spikes and some of the upticks that are happening, some of the churches that you and I know that have rushed to open only to realize they're going to have to stop and they're going to have to pull back now. So that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. So that's really good. The thing I was thinking about this before we went on air, you know, for years, generis and other, you know, kind of leading experts in this area, you know, I would say it was a best practice as well. You know, we're pushing us, asking us to think about increasing our online giving, doing what we can to move people. And one of the things we've seen, obviously, is everyone, okay, we've made that shift now. Um, And so uh, uh, let's talk about before we jump on to kind of where we go from here, the churches that have that maybe before weren't seeing really any significant either recurring giving or online giving that have made that shift. Have you seen any patterns in that group? Are they, is, is that a part of what's driving this kind of better than normal or at least, you know, really great uh, offerings during the season? Is that what you think's going on there? Yeah, I think it is a part of it, Rich. So one of the things that you can see that we can see pretty clearly, um, uh, we don't have pure research on it, but the anecdotal evidence is so strong is that that church that was running, let's just pick one that I know of, that was running 17% of their giving was coming in. uh, I I like to call it outside of Sunday morning because that means, you know, electronic giving, bill pay, all the other various forms other than in the offering plate on Sunday morning. So uh, you take a church that was running 17% that's now, this is a big move for them. They've almost tripled it. They're up to 48%. Wow. That's a big move yeah, for that's them. Amazing. Season, that's huge. Right? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Um, uh, and what it's doing is they've now got momentum to press that you know, even higher. I know of a church that was 78% that's moved it to 92%. I mean, wow. so yeah, everybody in this season has seen that the move is, and, and I talked about that. You know, in my part the that I wrote in our ebook, the, the big shift a year ago when I was talking about attendance mm-hmm. patterns and all of that shift. And it's like, look, guys, as the, as the attendance patterns shift, one of the things you got to do is you got to get more people online so that, you know, my way of saying it, I'm from the South, when your fanny is not there, your giving can still happen. <laughs> right? We yes, can't even yeah, use yeah, that yeah, anymore sure. because nobody's, you know, nobody's seat is in worship right now are very yes, few. Right, right, right. Yes. But that just exacerbated that. And so the churches that were prepared in this season fared the best early on. Everybody else has had to adapt. Everybody else has had to adapt. And so I think there is a correlation. I think you're going to see more and more of that. Of course, you and I both know 
that the giving platform business has really become robust in the last four or five years. Before that, there there were some there were players, but their interface was so clunky that nobody wanted to use it. Right, and um, you know, one or two of the of the innovators, um, you know, really kind of pushed the envelope. And now there's four or five of them that have super good giving platforms. They're not, the, the, and the key thing too is not inside the church management system. I don't know any church management system that has a better giving interface than these third right. parties do. So the third party um, innovators, integrators have come along and I think it's really accelerated that move, made it easier to adopt. Yeah, absolutely. They moved. That's very true. Like in the last few years, they moved from like techie people who, you know, could figure out how to give to like, no, actually we have to make this so normal people. Like I always joke, you know, if, if my mom can do it, then great. You know, then right it's, it's, right easy, it's easy, it's easy enough. And so right we've got to keep working in that direction. Well, we're, we're, I'm all ears. So, you know, I, I'm going to play a little bit of the, uh, the role of a of a church leader who maybe wasn't paying attention to digital giving, we've made that jump. We're now in that, like you say, even that church you said, 45, 50%. But now I hear you kind of ringing a little bit of a warning bell for us to be thinking, hey, you know, something may be coming. I think that's true. I've even, you know, and I've been blogging and talking about it recently. Like we're going to see when the liquidity, when the government liquidity gets pulled out of the market, um, we're going to see some new dynamics that we've got to, you know, pay real close attention to. What would be your coaching or advice in this season as we think about that kind of, you know, as we maybe see a little bit more of the impacts of this in the coming weeks and months? Yeah, you know, um, as a finance guy, uh, Rich, I might tend to jump over here and get a little bit too analytical on some of this stuff. But, <laughs> no, that's good. Um, it's good. I'm, I'm trying to try trying to keep realism in the conversation, and you really point out, you know, something that's on my mind, and that is that you know, as you look at the landscape um, across America and even into Canada, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. As you look at the landscape out your window and then you look at the equities market, what you're seeing is a gap. The mm. equities market seems to be doing a lot better than what you're seeing out here and what you what you think is right. might be coming. Right. And you've just mm -hmm. put your finger on the reason for that. There's so much liquidity in the market right now. It's not just from the government, the, the all of the all of the unsettledness in China and Hong Kong, for example, is pushing a lot of that money into the the American equity market. And so it's being propped up because there's more buyers than there are sellers right now. I mean, we could go into a longer analysis of it, but I think for me, from my perspective, you know, uh, having been in finance for a long time, I think that's one of the leading reasons. There's lots of other things we could say. But that that's creating this this gap between what you're seeing and what's happening over here in the market. So investor confidence mm -hmm. and then what you're seeing. I think there's several things that have, have yet to come. Obviously, you know, there have been some extensions here, but you know, the first wave of PPP forgiveness comes up here in a week or so. And right. so, yep. you know, if you're looking to get your loan forgiven and you've been keeping your head count till the end of June, so you're like, Oh, I made it to the end of June, you know, once July hits, I think there's a new wave of layoffs is probably coming. Right. And then you've right. got, you know, with the new, new, new guidelines that have come through, you've got other potential things out there uh, through the, through the summer for the airline industry, for example, the PPP and, and, oh, excuse me, not the PPP, but the CARES Act provisions really take you all the way through September. And I've read some online stuff that says, you know, October 1st might be the blackest day in the history of, of American travel or maybe in, right. in international travel. You know, um, how much additional support is Congress going to authorize in here? Um, you know, um, this is one that that I, I have personally seen with a number of my clients is 
Back in March and April, some of the best givers, some of the highest capacity people stepped up and said, Pastor, you know, that 100000 I was going to give this year, I've given twenty five. Here's the other seventy five. I'm going to go ahead and give in advance so you can make it through this season. So it so here, here's here's the point, Rich. It helps cash flow short term, mm-hmm. but it doesn't change right. giving on the annual basis. Right. And right. yet Absolutely. if you're not taking that one time surge giving out of your numbers, you might actually be deceiving yourself and thinking that giving mm-hmm. is really That's ahead. Good insight. I, right? I have one church yeah. that, that when they said it to me, they were 14% ahead. And I said to them, can you take out all of the advance giving, just the pro rata piece? So, mm-hmm. you know, take out, this was in April, I said, take out the eight months of it. So take two thirds of their giving out and let's normalize it back to what they would have given through April. And they were up 2% when that was all said and done. Now, the good news is their operating expenses are down 13%. So they're creating a 15% wedge right now. And and so you're able to take some money and throw it and, and throw it aside. You know, I, I think the other thing, the school systems, what in the world yep. is going to happen in the school systems, right. consumer confidence level. I like to look at that. I think it's a really good indicator of what might be coming. Um, it was mm-hmm. 132, almost 133 in, in February. It's now sitting around 86, 87. I mean, that's a big bounce on how people that's see a huge the future. Drop. Absolutely. So what, what it is, is it just leads an optimist like me to say, as much as I want to be so confident about this, let's just stop and wait and see what we got going on here. Yeah, that's really good. I love um, so some really good practical examples there. I know we live in like a in a summer town, one of those places where people come to vacation in the right, summertime. Right. And you know, and I was I've been saying to my wife, so here we are, end of June. We're in what should be the kind of prime season. Normally, you can't get you know you can't walk downtown and get a parking spot. It's packed. All the restaurants are packed normally, and we are in like a fairly. We're not completely open, but we're in enough open that that there should be people here and, and there aren't, you know, you can, I can drive tonight. We're recording this on a Friday. I could drive tonight at seven o'clock and get a parking spot right downtown. That's a problem. You know, that's, um, you know, that's, that's going to have its impact long-term. You know, it's interesting. I've, I've often joked with, uh, you know, like sometimes our, our finance folks will say like, oh, you know, if if we had a big weekend, a big, from a a giving point of view, and they'll say like, well, yeah, but we had a, whatever, X number of $15,000 donation or something like that. And I'm always like, man, it cashes the same way. Don't be so discouraging. Like, come on, it's, Mm -hmm. it's great. But, but that is a good note for us to look carefully. That's a good practical. I want to underline that for, for church leaders to look back at what they're giving has been the last few months and to look at that and say, okay, which of that is people giving in advance? Which of that is core donors, frankly, knowing that we're in the situation we're in, stepping in and saying, hey, I want to help. And it's not that you're still going to cash the check. You're still going to spend the money, but it does give you a clearer sense of where where you're at today. What would be a few other things that we should be thinking about, assuming um, you know, we're, we're not out of the woods yet. That's the thing I appreciate what you're saying here is like, Hey, we're, we're, we're the impacts of this are, are still going to be felt. Um, you know, I, I keep ta- trying to talk about COVID and the, and the ensuing financial impact, you know, there, there is still stuff in the system and you've pointed out a number of examples of that. What are a few practical things we could be doing as church leaders, uh, even in these, you know, in this, these coming weeks to kind of be thinking about the future? Yeah, I think the first thing, Rich, is if I were, if it were me, and I'm, I'm channeling my inner CFO, my inner former CFO here. Um, my first move would be I'd be building reserves. If, if I were like that church I just described, that's got you know two percent giving is up and thirteen percent operating, I'd be taking that fifteen percent and I'd be socking it away in in my my reserve account. 
my rainy day account. You know, I have some churches that are telling me, you know, well, Jim, you know, I hate to dip into reserve. Well, like, what do you think you got reserves for? I mean, reserves. <laughs> if this reserves, isn't the reason why you've got reserves, right? Yeah, exactly. Reserves are, are <laughs> by definition, are there for it's kind of your rainy day fund. And if yeah, this exactly. is not a rainy day, then I need for you and me to go off or, to the side here, yes. and you tell me what a rainy day really looks like, because I just don't want to see anything worse than this, right? And so, um, and so, and, and, and what it does, by the way, it's kind of a side issue here. I won't go down this too long, but what it really exposes is they had a policy for accumulating the reserves, but they didn't have a policy for spending reserves. Right. Right. And so you need to have that policy as well. Obviously you don't want to strip all of your cash out, but if you saw it right now where you, um, you needed some extra, then it's there for you. But in this season, if your giving seems to be going well, and your expenses are down while you're not, you know, regathering and whatnot. Um, then take that money and put it aside as much as you can. Begin to build your reserve. If you had three months, try to get four. If you had four, try to get five. Right? I don't know a whole lot of them that have more than five. So um, some do. You know, they're very conservative about that. But if you don't have three, then you know that's really a conversation about you need to get to three. Everybody needs three months worth of reserves. Because stuff happens, yeah, I, man. Whether you know, you're you. in Canada, uh, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you underlining that. You know, the it's I've I've often thought that in the last few months where that, that's like a, one of those like I you know I've journeyed with a lot of executive pastors over the years. That's kind of my tribe, and that is one of those like you know, lead pastors might get together and talk about like, well, how, you know, how many people you got attending or, you know, maybe student ministry people talk about how many people took to camp last summer. You know, oftentimes executive pastors ask that question, how much do you have in reserve or, or what's your thoughts on having, you know, money in reserve? And I think this time has, this whole season has clarified whatever we had in reserve, it wasn't enough. It clarified, oh, you know, we need to work harder on that, uh, you know, in this season. Exactly. Um, you know, that's, exactly. that's, a, that's a really good, good, good thing. And, and, yeah. and, I, and I would emphasize reserves are not a factor of dollars. They're a factor of the number of weeks or months that you have on deposit. Set aside. If you're, if it takes you on average fifty thousand dollars a week to run your church, two point six million dollars a year, then if you're going to have three months worth of reserves setting aside, then you're going to have roughly six hundred fifty thousand dollars put away. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and you need yep. to think in those terms. You need to think in terms of, you know, what does thirteen weeks worth of reserves look for us? That's six fifty. Now, six hundred fifty thousand dollars may look like a lot of money. But what it does is, and, and what you can also see, Rich, is the churches yeah. that had reserves did not panic when this happened. My right. church, Absolutely. my home church, yeah. we tend to run about five months. When this hit, our finance team moved into action. Nobody panicked. There's like, hey, we can, whatever happens, we can, we've got time. So we didn't have to get all emotional and out of sorts and make decisions that our hand got forced. We can sit back and think through this and make good decisions. So reserves. Yeah, it gives you options, you know, right? It gives you time. Gives you options. Couldn't say it any better. Gives you options. Whereas, I mean, what what do we all know? I mean, you and I certainly know this, and I'm assuming all of your listeners know this. The very worst time to make a decision is when your emotions are running high. Panic yeah. is an emotion. Panic is an emotion. And when panic is high and you're trying to make good decisions, it's really challenging to try to make a good decision. And so what I'm saying is if you have reserves, then you don't have to panic like that. So in this season, as things are going well, you know what I'd love to have happen? I'd love for you not to need these reserves. But if you do need them, they're there. They're there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think oftentimes we think – Yep. Go ahead. I was just going to ask you one question about the reserves before we move on. So uh, the – 
there's one thing about the reserve piece. So um, oftentimes I think we, at least I know I, my knee jerk reaction to that is, okay, if we want to increase our reserve, what that looks like is decreasing expenses. We've got to cut that side of the equation. I think, and in some ways that's a fairly easy, you know, it's an easy way to understand. Let's look around, figure out where we need to pull back. Should churches, or is there a possibility for churches in this season to, on the other side to really be saying, hey, how could we raise resources in this season? What, what could we be doing to try to increase revenue? Is there something on that side we should be thinking about with an eye to then using some of that to then end up growing our, um, our reserve? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Rich. And that's where um, where the pastor would have to come in and begin to cast vision around that. And I think it's really going to resonate with two groups of people. It's going to resonate with your higher capacity givers. Every church has mm-hmm. them. It's going to resonate with your very, very faithful core givers. It's going to resonate mm-hmm. well with them. Your congregational givers, you know, the person who gives the, you know, $100, you know, when I'm here. And if I'm not here, I don't give or, you know, $50 or whatever that is. Those people are still on a journey to become more faithful and more consistent in their giving. But those those two other constituencies, it's going to resonate well with them. And so the pastor would cast vision toward, hey, so here's what I want us to think about. We want to be a church that's always leaning forward with the mission and vision that God has given us. For us to do that, we have to have options, and that means we have to build reserves. And I know this is not the sexiest thing I've ever come to you with, but here's what the importance of it is. And the cast vision around why that's important for our church to execute its vision and mission and flourish and thrive in this season. I think there's a tremendous opportunity. Now, by the way, do I think every pastor can own and do that? No, but I think some could, and it could be a great opportunity for them. Right. Okay. Now, what else are we thinking about there? I do, I have this sense, I and every time I write it or talk about it, it feel like, I feel like I'm being like this doomsday predictor, which I, I don't, I'm not in that. I, I'm like you, I'm an optimist. I think the best days are ahead for the church. I think in times of adversity, the, you know, the, the church burns brightest. I, I think there's lots of good things coming, but I, I do sense even in this current series, in this kind of current series of events, we find ourselves, um, you know, the, the chance of another, this flare up that's currently happening, overtaking and, uh, you know, going back into lockdown, I think is a very real possibility. I think, you know, the kind of prolonged economic, you know, impact I think is coming. What, what, what are, what are you thinking as you look to the future, any kind of, you know, kind of potential, you know, scenarios we should be wrestling through at this point on that front? Yeah, I think, Rich, for me, uh, and again, I'm going to channel my uh, 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 former uh, CFO self here. <laughs> yes. Um, I think it's good to be prepared for a possible downturn. If it doesn't happen, everything's great. But I think it's better to be prepared for it. We're in a season right now where we can have reasonable people sit at the table without panic and emotion and say, okay, Let's say that our that that right now represents scenario A. Let's model that out to the end of the year with all of our expenses and our revenues. And so let's maybe take that as scenario A, whatever that is for your church. Then let's take scenario B and let's back off of our income, pick a number. You know, maybe it's 15%, maybe it's 20%. I don't know what somebody's number is, but that becomes your scenario B. If we see a dip in giving of this much, What's our action plan around expenses and model that out through the end of the year? And then C would be really what what I think would be kind of the worst case scenario. Pick a number that's higher than you think is even likely to happen. If you think 25% is the biggest could happen, model it at 30, 
right? So pick a number that's a little bit higher than what you what you pick it and model it at 35. If income went down by 35% for the remainder of the year, how would we manage the expenses of our church in such a way that we could thrive and flourish in this season, right? And here's the thing. The important thing about getting doing that now is that so you're not reacting if that happens. You're just saying, oh, we've read the tea leaves. We're not on scenario A. We go down and we pull scenario B out and we activate right. scenario B. That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. It enables you to be proactive. And here's, I, we did this when I, I mean, in a public company, man, the worst thing you can ever do is let your boss have to go out there and not be able to, to announce an, an earnings increase. It is the worst thing that can happen. Right. I knew that as a CFO, <laughs> yes. I was not yes. going to allow that to happen. And so yeah, I yeah. always had those scenarios sitting down there. I went through the stock market crash. I was in financial services and went through the stock market crash of 1987. So I knew what that oh, looked gosh, like, yeah. right? And that was, a, for those of us who were alive then, that was quite a, yep. quite an episode, right? Yeah, and so absolutely. here's the point. Yeah. I never felt good about doing those scenarios. I never felt good. Right. It's like, oh, man, I hate it. But let me tell you this, Rich. When, I, when we had those scenarios done and we kind of buttoned them up, as it were, and figuratively put them in the, in, in the vault for, for if we needed them, I slept mm-hmm. so good at night. I mm-hmm. slept so good yep. because here's what I knew. Regardless of what happens, we're ready for it. We're ready for mm-hmm. it. I think mm-hmm. that anybody who gets caught unprepared for something like this, that's a shame on you moment because, I mean, nobody could have been prepared for what happened back in March. Nobody gets any blame for that. Right. But knowing that the times are as uncertain, watching the virus begin to spike back up in places, I'm with you. I think uh, uh, the possibility of closing, uh, at least in certain places, could be there again. I mean, I won't even go down. We could go down this road a second. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't even be open right now anyway. I would be among the leaders who would just say, I'd punt it till Labor Day. Take the summer off. It's going to be weird. You're going to have restrictions. You're bringing people back in. You're going to a lot of expense to get, you know, 200 people into a 1,500-seat a auditorium, you know, things like that. But so I think there's a possibility of that happening. And I don't want to see churches have to take a big step back because they were unprepared. Yeah, that's very good. Um, as you can see, friends that are listening in, uh, you know, Jim is just such a wealth of knowledge and encouragement. I really appreciate, uh, you know, kind of everything you're, you've been pushing us on today and thinking through, I think some really practical steps have been laid out for us, uh, here, Jim, any, anything else you'd like to share just as we kind of, uh, wrap up, as we kind of look towards, um, you know, this, this whole area and think about our finances, anything else you'd like us to kind of think about? Yeah, I think I want to just echo, um, Rich, something that you said a minute ago. I am really bullish on the church and the long-term outlook. Mm -hmm. I I, I couldn't be more optimistic. I think our opportunities are so big uh, beyond COVID. I think the reformulation of church for everybody who embraces that, the new rules, as it were, um, I think there's just a huge opportunity. Do I think that we're going to go back to in-person worship at the same levels we were back in February? No, I don't. I think that mm-hmm. if you're if you get 75% of your people back into the building at some point, you know, if you had a thousand average in February and you can get 750 back in the building, I think you're doing well. I think it's going to be more like 600, but the mm-hmm. reach of the church mm-hmm. is going to be significantly extended with the digital footprint. The conversation about whether we can make online worship real or not, that conversation is over. We now know that you can. What you do with that in your church going forward, you know, that's kind of up to you. But 
All of those are so such really, really good signs for the church. I think, Rich, we haven't talked about it here, but even the outbreak of, of the conversation around social justice and racism, I think, is a huge opportunity yep. for the church Absolutely. to be the solution. Because we've tried the political realm, and that hasn't worked. The church and the kinds of conversations that you and I are seeing give me such hope and such optimism that the church might actually lead in, in, in that solution. So longer term, I'm really bullish. I just want us as financial leaders— and I can say that I'm a former CPA, you know, I'm a former CFO. I'm one of those guys. If I was working in a church, I'd either be an XP or a CFO today. Right, you know, right. Yeah. I want us to be, while we're bullish long term, let's be realistic and not be complacent here in the season. Let's plan well. Let's be prepared. Get your reserves up. Prepare your scenarios so that when it comes, if it comes, and I hope it doesn't, and that'll be the great bonus for you that you're ready and the church won't take a big step back. That's really my thing here. If I tried to make one point in our conversation today. Yeah, that's great. I really appreciate that. I, you know, I, there's a church um, that you've know, had a chance to have some interaction with who they, um, before this crisis, had really been super diligent on um, building up a reserve. They ended up at the place where they had multiple millions of dollars in, in reserve. Um, and I remember this was, you know, last year, way back in 2019, you know, was talking with their senior staff and a part of what they, their conviction was, you know, the, they believed that at some point, the Lord was going to open up a door and make it super obvious how they were supposed to use those resources. And I can say it's been frankly amazing to watch this church in this season, deploy those resources and make such a difference in their community. And that's really the hope for us. I, you know, I think the encouragement, if I could give you as you're, if you're listening in today, church leader is, is not to think about saving or building a, you know, a reserve as like this, oh gosh, it's some sort of drag, but it really is, is preparing your church for, you know, whatever happens next and, and gives you the opportunity uh, to make a difference. So Jim, I appreciate you being here today. I want to point people towards a resource on the Generis website. You have got this ebook called a framework uh, for ministry on the other side of crisis beyond forward focus. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that. So people can, can pick that up. Um, I think this is a great tool for folks to give you, you know, kind of a good thing for people to kind of be thinking about in this season. If people want to track with you or with Generis, is there anywhere else we want to send them? What what would that look like? Yeah, so that forward focus framework is really uh, a great tool, um, Rich. Thank you for saying that. It's really about getting on the other side of all of this and thinking about what your church looks like in the future. And it talks about managing the virus seasons, managing the economic seasons, and then the church seasons that you, that go along with that. So um, there should be a. You, I think you're going to put a link in the show notes there. And uh, yep. additionally, yep. if anybody wanted to reach out to me directly. Um, and it uh, would be easy enough. It's just simply my name, my first name, Jim at Generis.com. I'd be glad to field all of those inquiries and uh, hand them off to the correct person. Perfect. Thanks so much, Jim. I appreciate you on the show today. Rich, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter 
at Rich Birch or through email, rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.